Go to Luke chapter number 1. Luke and chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1 and... uh, Verse number 26 is where we're going to pick up our reading here this evening. Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26. If you found your place there and you're able to, let's stand together uh, to honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26. So tonight and Sunday morning, uh, we're going to do some Christmas messages. And so I hope this will be a blessing and a help to you here this evening. I I debated, I love doing character um, examinations and looking at different characters in the Bible. And I uh, was debating between Joseph and Mary and uh, decided to do Mary. And so we're going to take a look at uh, Mary and her part in the Christmas story uh, here tonight. So Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26. It says this, And in the sixth months the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, For thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end." Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? That's a good question. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold... Thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38 is kind of our key verse for this uh, sermon here tonight. It says this, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So I'd like to preach to you here tonight, this the handmaiden of the Lord. May God bless the reading of His Word. You can be seated, and thank you for standing <clears throat> in honor of the Scriptures. Uh, nobody's uh, sung this uh, Christmas song yet, at least here at the church. Uh, there's a Christmas song entitled, Mary Did You Know? All right? And you probably heard that uh, Christmas song many times over. It was written by the comedian Mark Lowry, which is kind of funny to, if you know that. Uh, that he's the one that wrote that song. and uh, But it goes through, and Mary, did you know this? And Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? And uh, the, the proper response to that song is, by and large, she knew. 
I mean, the Lord revealed those things to her, and it wasn't like she was in the dark and had no idea. Now, there are some things, obviously, she didn't know. She didn't know he was going to walk on water and calm the storms and, you know, raise people from the dead. She didn't know all those specifics, but she did know that he was the Son of God, and she did know that he was the Savior of mankind, and she was very aware of some of those things. And we love looking at the Christmas story and, and singing those songs about Mary, and, and we hold her up uh, to such esteem that there are even uh, religious groups that are out there that have positioned her in the same status as Jesus Christ, you know. Uh, the Catholics have positioned her in such a way that she's there, and, and others just hold her in this high, high esteem. But let's be honest, this story reveals a much different character, uh, a young lady who is... A, uh, an unsure teenager who's just kind of just got her whole world rocked and she doesn't really know how to respond to what this angel is telling her. And so she's pondering these things in her heart and in her mind and she has this unbelievable mature response to what is said when she says basically this, I surrender all. She basically takes all of her hopes, her plans, her dreams, and throws them on the trash heap in order to do what God has called her to do. And it brings us to a very telling and thoughtful question in our own life, is that uh, are we willing to surrender all? Now, it's a fun song to sing. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. We sing that as an invitational. We've sung the song, but is it a reality in your life? Have you really laid everything on the altar and said, God, I am, as Romans 12 says, a living sacrifice. I, I will be holy, I will be acceptable unto you, I'll be a perfect sacrifice so that you can use me for whatever you have planned and if that means I take my hopes and my dreams and my plans and I lay them on the trash heap so that I may do what you've called me to do, I've surrendered all. Now, that's fun in theory, but in the reality of the prospect of our life of what that looks like, that can be sometimes a scary thing. I'm thankful we have an example in Mary here tonight of an individual who comes to a point in her life even at a young age, teenagers, where she says this, and she says, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And I believe God wants the exact same response, not just from the Virgin Mary, but he wants the same response from every single child of God that's here in this room tonight, that we would say, Behold the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. I surrender all. Whatever you call me to do, I am willing to to do it, Lord. Now, let me lay out a few characters in this story, just so we're kind of on an even kill. Now, I know you, you've heard the names, and you've probably heard some maybe bad theology. Now, I'm not knocking anyone for that, because there's a lot of great Christmas songs and awesome Christmas movies that are not the Bible. And you've learned bad theology because you've watched some cool Christmas movies, and you've heard some good Christmas songs. Uh, but just as we talked about on Sunday, just because it says we three kings of Orion are doesn't mean that's what the Bible says, right? So we want to know these biblical characters and, and how the Bible portrays them. And really, if we could do it this way, uh, lose the, the hallmark picture 
of the manger set and, and lose the, the, the hallmark snapshot that we put on all the cards of, of Mary and she's just beautiful and she's got it all put together and Joseph's just this awesome dude and everything's just so wonderful and take it for the reality of what it really is. That this is a crazy story. Mind-boggling. Just crazy everything that happened. So let me lay out some of these characters here. Uh, the first one is the angel. Uh, angel Gabriel. There's only three angels in the Bible that are given to us with names. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Now, for all intents and purposes, we won't dig into all of this, but Gabriel is almost exclusively always seen as an angel that's delivering messages from God. So every time you hear about Gabriel, he's usually got a message that he's taking from the Lord and he's giving it to people. This is a very active time for him because he's already delivered messages to Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist. Remember, Zacharias has turned to go into the... Uh, uh, the holy place and light the incense and he comes out and he's mute because God told him he's going to have a son and he says, no I'm not. Fine, you're not going to talk till he's born then. <laughs> and he comes out mute and he's pointing to a thing saying, I saw an angel that gave him write a tablet and all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's one thing that happens here. He goes to Joseph. Remember he gives him a message in a dream and gives him an understanding that there's stuff that's going to happen with Mary and he needs to respond appropriately. He goes to Mary, of course, even in our story here. So this is a busy time for the angel Gabriel as he is delivering uh, important information to important characters within the Christmas story. Another important character uh, in our story here is that of Mary's espoused husband, Joseph. Now, we could say a lot about Joseph. Uh, man, he is, I wish there was more about him in the Bible. Because what we have revealed about him, he is an awesome Bible character. A man who was righteous and a man who had integrity, like very few Bible characters that we see. Just an awesome, awesome guy. So we know this, uh, the few things we know about Joseph. He's a spouse to Mary. Well, what does that mean? Well, in our modern vernacular, it would be this. He's engaged to her. But that's not really a great explanation of it. Because an espousal is much more than just an engagement. Um, in our Western culture, an engagement is a verbal agreement that really holds no binding. What I mean by that is a guy can get down on his knee and pull out a really fancy ring. Will you marry me? And the response that you hope that she's going to say is, yes. And then a ring gets put on the finger and they may set a date and make some plans. But there are those who renege on that, right? Yep. And engagements get canceled and there's no harm, no foul, if you will. Maybe some hurt feelings, but there's no contractual things that have happened legally. There's no spiritual connection things that have happened. There, there's no binding things that have happened in our Western culture in regard to an engagement period. And espousal was much different. It was... The marriage before the real marriage. So if you can think about it this way, they've already drawn up legal documents. Uh, this is a period where maybe dowries are being exchanged, and there is a promise that this girl is going to marry this guy, and the families make arrangements of dowries and payments for that, whatever that's going to look like. 
there is documentation that's filed with the uh, legal courts and with the spiritual leaders that says this person's going to be with this person. And it goes even further than that, that during that time period, although they're not physically together, should they commit adultery, it would be seen as if they were married. So let me give you just some Bible verses here to kind of help you understand uh, in the Bible what this is talking about. In Deuteronomy 22, it says it this way, If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband. Betrothal, simple word for this, that she is also espoused. So the New Testament word here, espousal, is the same as the Old Testament word, betrothal. It's the exact same thing we're talking about here. If she's betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both out into the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. Well, well, what's that penalty that somebody's being stoned to death? Adultery. So in the, the biblical view of the Old Testament law, which they're still under at this time, is the viewpoint would be this. When Mary and Joseph signed these legal documents and said, I'm going to marry her, and she said, I'm going to marry him, and they made this family contractual arrangement, if she was found unfaithful, then she's committed adultery, and Joseph could have her stoned to death. So this is not just an engagement. It goes so much deeper than that. So in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18, it says this way, uh, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So, okay, this is a lot to unpack. We're going to do this in two minutes. You ready? Start. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so Joseph, the Bible describes him this way. Joseph figures out his espoused wife is pregnant. And he knows one thing. I'm not the daddy. Okay? So Joseph has one of two options that are given to him in the Old Testament law. We've already heard about one of them, which is this. She's committed adultery, which means this. She could be stoned to death. Or there's another option. He can write her a bill of divorcement. Again, you can read about this in Leviticus, where a bill of divorcement can be written for her, and he can just put her away and just act as if this has never happened, and he moves on with his life, and she is put in shame for the rest of her life, but it's without her being put to death. Now, the Bible describes Joseph, it says this way, Joseph being a just man. Now, the word just there does not have to do with moral justness. What do I mean by that? It's not saying Joseph was like this really spiritual guy. When calling Joseph a just man, it simply means this. Joseph understood the Bible. Joseph was one who understood the Bible interpretation of his options that were laid before him. And understanding that he had the option to put her to death or to put her away privately... He looks at those obstinate as a just man and understanding those, he says this, because of my love for Mary, she's made a terrible mistake and she's done this egregious thing. The Bible says he is minded, he's made up his mind that he's going to put her away privately and not have her put to death. Now that just kind of shows you the state of Joseph's mind and heart uh, toward Mary that he deeply loved her and was looking forward to marrying her. 
She's been unfaithful in his mind. Now, of course, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says this, don't put her away. Why? He said, you know that crazy story she told you? That she's a virgin and she's conceived from God? And you were like, yeah, good one, Mary. Yeah, that's the truth. And that's exactly what's happened. And so Joseph, in a, a very humbling thing, and again, I wish we could do a whole big biopic on Joseph here, but Joseph being this just and righteous man, the Bible makes it clear that he does this. He goes ahead and marries her. Everybody knows that it's not uh, their kid. Okay? You say, well, how do you know that? Because the baby was born in a manger. Well, why were they going to Bethlehem in the first place? If you know your Bible, you know why they went to Bethlehem, right? The taxation that was placed on them from Herod's son, right? The, the taxation that was there, so they had to go back. Which means this, most of Joseph's family lived in Bethlehem. Well, why did they leave? They went and they went down to this no-name place called Nazareth, that the Bible says that when Jesus is in his earthly ministry, people are like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like this backwater junky place that everybody, when they say you're from there, they're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, hey, good, good to know you're from Nazareth. Well, why'd they move there? Because there was shame associated with their relationship. There was shame associated with her that she was an adulterous woman in the eyes of the world. And the fact that they were in an inn shows the fact that not only the family, but society itself had rejected them as an unclean couple. And so, anyways, Joseph here, of course, he does some amazing things in his life to be willing to submit to what God has called him to do in his life as well. But he's not the main character of our story here. So let's get to this character of Mary. What do we know about Mary? Well, we don't know a whole, whole bunch. Uh, we don't know her age. A lot of people have speculated I do know this. Historically, we know that the espousal period, the period where contracts would be written up, usually happened between the ages of 14 and 18. So for young ladies, usually between the ages of 14 and 18, they would uh, make these espousals, and then the official wedding would happen usually between the ages of 16 and about 19. So young ladies got married pretty young, and so they would have gotten espoused like 14, 15, 16, somewhere right in there, and then get married sometime like 16, 17, 18 when the official marriage and the consummation of the marriage would take place. So we know this, based on the time period that we're given, Mary's probably about 15, 16, 17 years old. Ladies, do you remember when you were about that age? Okay, start to make some connections there. We picture Mary as this very mature woman, and she's just a teenager. There's really nothing grandiose or special about her. We also know this, she's poor. We say, well, how do you know that? Because she's marrying Joseph. A blue-collar family, there's not a big dowry that's involved in this. This is some poor family, a common occupation, nothing very special about it. We do know this also, that she was very chaste, holy, she was a virgin. She was a young lady who was handpicked by God. Of all of the young ladies through all of Israel, she was specifically chosen by God to be the mother of Christ. A huge, huge thing. So there's a troubling message. Let's go back to our text here in Luke chapter number 1. So we got all the characters here. So you've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got Gabriel. Gabriel shows up and he gives her this very troubling message. 
Well, what's the troubling message? Well, he tells her, you're highly favored, the Lord is with you, and you are blessed among women. Now, first off, angels, as we have them depicted in movies often, everyone sees an angel and they're like, oh, so pretty. Have you read a description of the angel in the Bible? (laughs) Most of the time you see an angel and they show up, the first thing out of the angel's mouth is what? Fear not. You know why? Because everybody is scared to death when they see one. (laughs) This other earthly being, this heavenly celestial being is there, and they don't know how to fully interpret what they're seeing, and they're scared to death. And so here you have not only this very majestic angel that's there, Gabriel, this very powerful being that has come to communicate a message, but then what he says is kind of weird too. Highly favored. Blessed among women. The Lord is with you. Now, she's sitting there and she's like, let's just picture a 16-year-old girl. Okay, just for sake of illustration. We don't know for sure it's her age, but pretty close. 16-year-old, she's looking around like, me? Like, no name Mary, right? Like, I I have nothing special to me. I'm just kind of this poor, ordinary, run-of-the-mill girl. There's nothing special about me. Are you talking about me? It's kind of like Gideon in the Old Testament. Remember when the angel shows up to Gideon? Thou mighty man of valor. And he's hiding in a valley threshing wheat. Okay, I think Mary's having this same situation here because she begins to kind of have this confused, uh, you might, response to this troubling message that is being given to her. So, rightly so, Mary is somewhat confused why she's blessed and favored. She's just a simple girl. So verses 30 through 33, the angel gives some explanation behind why she is blessed and favored and God is with her. It has very little to do with Mary and has everything to do with what God is about to do through her. And so verse 30 through 33 is a whole other message for another time. But he comes to her and basically says, here's the ministry of the child that is going to be born through you. He is going to save all of humanity. He is the King of Israel. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we have been waiting for. And all the blessings that are going to come with Jesus Christ and His ministry here on earth. So then a very important question comes up in verse 34. Look at it there. He says this. Then said Mary unto the angel. Here's the important question. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary is also kind of smart. Because she shows up and she goes, okay, this is a little mind-blowing. I'm gonna, I've been selected by God, and I'm going to have the Messiah, and he's going to do all these wonderful things. So now here's a simple follow-up question, which is this. How's that going to happen? So again, just think logically in her, her mind. She knows what the idea of a conception is and how all that takes place. And so in her mind, no doubt, she's kind of thinking this. Uh, Am I supposed to wait until Joseph and I get married? Is something else going to happen here? You know, what exactly is the plan? She's trying to direct her course of action to align with what God wants her to do. So she's simply asking the question, how's this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin here and and this is never, that's just not how this works. So how's this going to happen? This is an honest inquisition. She's not questioning or doubting. She's simply saying this, I know you're going to do this amazing thing. But how's that going to take place? So in verses 35 through 37, we get this amazing response from the angel. So this conception was not going to require a man. 
something that had never been done before and never would happen ever again. The only time in all of human history this would ever happen. So verse 35 is absolutely loaded with doctrine. It says, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, this was not going to be some normal conception. And, and again, understand, I don't know what weird theology is out there. There is nothing sexual in verse 35. If you read about the creation, you know the work of creation? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? And the earth was, verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, Right? You know the story of creation, you read there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Well, what is that? Well, there is a work of creation that the Spirit was involved in where the Spirit moved upon the earth. Well, here we get some of that exact same verbiage that's being used. That, that the angel shows up and he says here, you know the work of creation? That was a divine work of God. A work of God that can't really be fully explained it was just God taking from nothing and creating everything that is with his spoken word. And that the Holy Spirit moved upon that and fashioned it into this world that we now live upon. Okay, in the same way that God created all things from nothing with the power of his spoken word, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Now, again, you say, well, what does that mean? I don't really fully understand it either. I don't know as though we're really supposed to understand it. But we do know this, is that the Holy Ghost, God Himself, like a work of creation, overshadowed Mary. Again, nothing sexual about this. And put within her womb, God Himself. And within the womb of Mary, there was a perfect union between God and man that was formed. Again, it's baffling. Because here you have God that never relinquishes his de deity, which simply means this. Jesus never was not God. 100% God. Fully God. But at the same time, he was every bit of man. You read about in the ministry of Jesus, he gets tired. He gets hungry. He experiences human emotions. He, he experiences pain. I mean, all of these things that he was this, 100% human. And at the same time, you have this miraculous being, the God-man, all God and yet all man simultaneously. What is that? It's the work of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary and forming something divine inside of her womb. Well, what do you call that? I call this highly favored. I call it the work of God that is something that she is going to be blessed among women. And it has nothing to do with Mary. It has everything to do with what God is about to do through her. It's going to be amazing. So we could simply say it this way. Mary's name is revered today, not because of anything that she did, but because what she let God do through her. Come on now, this isn't Mary just sitting back and being like, all right, everybody sit back, watch this. She's just like living her life and minding her business. And God shows up and says, God has chosen you to do something absolutely miraculous and something that is going to be unbelievable. And God forms within her the God-man. All God, 
all man, the Holy Spirit overshadowing her and forming this holy thing. That which was going to be born of her is called this, the Son of God. What does that mean? Well, before Abraham was, Jesus said this, before Abraham was, I am. What was formed inside of her womb was the eternal, immutable, unchangeable God putting on human flesh. Something miraculous. Now, I can imagine at this point that Mary in her mind is simply thinking what probably a lot of us think when we read this story, and we we read it realistically like we're reading it now, and we say this, how? How is God going to do that? So the angel, I think, preemptively understanding what the next question is going to be, in verses 36 and verse 37 says, you remember your cousin Elizabeth? Your much older cousin Elizabeth? Remember how they said she was barren and she was never going to have children and her husband and never going to have kids? How pregnant is she again? She's six months pregnant, right? Yeah, Mary, you know that? Because where man says things are impossible with God, nothing is impossible. And I think he's helping her understand, hey, I'm not just blowing hot air here. What I have said I'm going to do, because I am God, I can do it. Again, this has nothing to do with how much you can do, Mary. It has everything to do with you being willing to allow me to use you. I think God is building a pretty strong argument here of this idea. I'm going to do something miraculous. I'm going to do something amazing. And I can come through with this. Now, this is a lot to process for anybody, but especially a 16-year-old girl. Now, again, I'm not trying to... Uh, run down a teenage girl or any teenager for that matter but I know where I was at in a mental state when I was 16 years old if I'd received a message like that I don't know if I'd be prepared for it well why well when I was 16 17 years old I was kind of planning my life I wasn't even engaged yet she is which kind of means this I, I think about me when I was engaged and I was in college I had a trajectory for my life now You might not have at that stage in your life, but a lot of people do. If not a trajectory, you have hopes and aspirations and dreams of where you hope to go one day, which kind of looks like this. I want to do this when I get out of college. I want to do this when I get to this point in my life. I've got this career path. I'm going to marry this person, and we're going to have three children, and their names are going to be... Come on, young ladies. Remember when you were that age? You were thinking that way, weren't you? And you kind of start planning out your life. Mary's a spouse to a just man named Joseph. They've already exchanged dowries. She's no doubt she's picking out the colors of what they're going to paint the walls in their house, you know. She's kind of got in her mind, hey, we're going to get married. She's planning the wedding. You know, she's got all those things that are on her plate and she's thinking about. And you know what God does? God comes in and goes, (laughs) takes every one of her plans And just totally obliterates them. The direction that her life was heading totally got re-altered. It totally got moved in a different direction. Now, listen, think about how crazy this would be if this was you in your life. That here she is, she's about to get married, she's got all these plans, she's got all these hopes, she's got all these aspirations. And now her very character is being called into question. So much so that she knows she could be stoned to death. If Joseph doesn't get the message well, not only that, but he could divorce her before they're even fully married. He could put her away. Not not only that, but 
even understanding, even if Joseph is all in and he follows what God wants her to do. Because let's be honest, sometimes we're willing to do something and our spouse isn't always willing to follow what God wants us to do. And Mary here might even be thinking that way. Hey, if I do what God's called me to do and Joseph doesn't, that's going to be a problem. But even if he does, there's going to be a problem. Our family's not going to understand. This is probably going to cause some financial hardships because people don't want to hire Joseph if he's in this type of a relationship. In our culture, no way. And in her mind, no doubt she's thinking this is going to cause some major hardships and problems and there's issues. And she's here on the spot. She's here in this moment. And God is showing up and He's saying, God wants to do something miraculous. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. One day He's going to die for the sins of all humanity. It's going to pierce through your soul too, Mary. It's going to hurt you when He dies. This is going to be a difficult road to walk. Your other children aren't going to understand the perfect child. Come on, if you know the life of the other brothers and sisters, half-brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, they rejected Him in Nazareth. Until after He resurrected from the dead, none of His siblings were His followers. Now that causes some turmoil within the family. Now listen, Mary doesn't understand all those details, but she does understand this. There are problems that are down that road. There are so many blessings, and God has told me this. Not only does He want to do something miraculous, but He can do what other people think is impossible. And even though this is difficult, I love what she says in verse number 38. She says, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What's the big deal? Here's what Mary did. She took her plans for her life and she basically threw them in the trash and she said this, I surrender everything. I'm going to give up literally my own body to become the mother of God Himself. I am going to put my future and my future plans and my hopes and my dreams and possibly even my marriage in a dangerous situation because I understand this. You are God and I want you to do with me what you deem is perfect and what you deem is right. And so here I am. I'm your handmaiden. I'm your servant. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, God. Be it unto me according to thy word. Now, that is amazing. That is impressive. But did you know that God has called every single one of us to make that exact same decision? That God has called upon us, obviously not to be a virgin given birth. That only happened with Mary. But God has a specific calling and purpose in your life. And He wants you to come to a place in your life where you simply say this, God, I surrender all. My time, my talent, my money, my family, my children, my marriage, my church ministries, my occupation, my hopes, my aspirations, my dreams, my health, my everything. I surrender it all to you, God. Listen, we, we oftentimes praise teenagers at youth camp. We come back and they go, well, they surrendered their life to the Lord. Now, I understand most of the time we're, we're using that to describe that they feel like God's calling them into full-time ministry, right? They surrendered their life to be a, a pastor. They surrendered their life to be a missionary. They surrendered their life to full-time Christian service. But can I tell you, every single believer, God has called upon you to surrender your life. 
to do whatever he would call you to do. Well, I don't know if I could do that. What if he calls me to be a missionary? I don't think I could do that. Then you haven't surrendered all. Well, I, I don't know if I could surrender everything. What if he asked me to, to give that? Like, to, to, to give? I don't know if I could do that. Well, you haven't surrendered all. The, the hymn of the song says, Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Does your heart, the spirit control? Right? Does God have everything of you? Because here's the thing. If you will simply surrender to what God wants to do in your life, behold the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Here's a wonderful truth that's found right here in this passage and throughout the scriptures, which is this. Don't miss this. God wants to do something miraculous in your life. And here's the more important thing. He can do something miraculous with your life. Mary was simple and ordinary and nothing special. But when she saw the plan God had for her life and she submitted to that plan, God made it clear to her, not only am I going to do something miraculous, but I actually have the capability to follow it through to the end. And he did, didn't he? And you know what now we talk about every Christmas season? Mary, did you know? And her name is remembered and in many ways idolized because of this one choice that she made when she simply said this, God, I not only see what your plan is, I not only agree with what your plan is, I fully submit to your plan. I'm all in on this thing. I'll lay it all out there and be it unto me according to thy word. Maybe it is here tonight in a church service on a Wednesday night, the week of Christmas, that God maybe wants you to come to an old-fashioned altar and simply say this, I surrender everything. Be it unto me according to thy word. Behold, she said, the handmaiden of the Lord, behold, the servant of the Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, God, I'm willing to do it. You want me to be a faithful member of Bible Baptist Church? I'll do that. You want me to teach a Sunday school class? I'll be faithful and I'll do that. You want me to be a missionary? God, I'll be willing to do it. Whatever you want me to do, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. I'm your vessel. Do with me whatever you will. Listen, if you've never at your point in your life said, God, I surrender all, tonight needs to be the night that you become, as Romans 12 says, a living sacrifice, willing to do whatever God calls you to do. Let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation here tonight.